We're back. Yeah, we are. More ways than one, right? Yeah. yeah. We're actually in person doing the intro ish yeah. which is the first time in forever. And at odd angles. I'm like craning yeah. weirdly because <laughs> you're by my side. Which, I mean, I'm glad you're by my side, but you're like by my side, which can right. sometimes be, you know, cloistering. <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> yeah, I don't get to use it often. <laughs> well, you did um, today. You know, for old time's sake. Oh, yeah. And since you're here and we're here and yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to thank our patrons. Uh, we should. I know we still owe you new content. Um, mm. I'm going to blame this one on Aaron. You said you were going to come by and we are going to record some stuff and you never came yeah. by. Well. Yeah. That's your fault. Been some stuff. It's, uh, um, we'll remedy that. <laughs> so, but let's thank our patrons. Um, <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you, Catherine. You're Cindy. out of practice. I am just a little <laughs> bit because you, you call her Kathy and I've always said Catherine. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine, Cindy, Brian, Chelsea, Jesse, Saria, Travis, Tyler, Abby, Dela, Debbie. I changed that one for you. Caitlin, Megan, Milton, me, Alan, Josh, Lindsay. I'm just going to read everyone. Ty and Brian. Yeah, that's different than it used to be. You've changed it up. I thought it was doing a good job mimicking you, but but thank you, everybody. Thank Um, you so much. And go to patreon.com forward slash look what I did. I think there will actually be maybe an excerpt from today's episode that will appear on there because we kind of chatted for a while after we wrapped up. Um, This episode is special. We talk about it at the very beginning uh, in the sense that Taylor was the, (laughs) at the time, Taylor Henschel, who has gotten married and took his wife's last name, so... I can't pronounce it correctly, but he uh, does. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was the second person we ever interviewed. Yeah, and the sound was so not great that we yeah. just stuck it in a drawer. And so he is—he <laughs> is the truly lost episode. Because if you're yep. a Patreon supporter, you can get the very first one we ever did with Alan Newberry. Mm-hmm. We did put it out on Patreon. Taylor's the only lost episode. He's the only interview we've ever done that has never, in any format, seen the light of day. Right. But also our second makeup. Yes, he's our second makeup. And so today get we get to talk about, um, we barely talk about what he does at all. <laughs> we just talk about privilege. Um, so, but it was yeah. a super, I'm really glad we did this. Oh man, it it, it was really good. It was really yeah. good. So, um, and I will, if we don't have photos from the original interview, which you would have taken... But yeah. that's also like three and a half years ago at this point. Mm. Uh, I've will, lost it. They were on my, my laptop is dead. I will get photo, yeah. some photos from him. Those we'll have to put on Instagram mm-hmm. and, and probably look what I did.net, the website as well. If I can get enough photos together to make a kind of a mm-hmm. gallery for him. Um, Cause his bikes are unbelievable. Oh man. And, and yeah. they are like hand built yep. bikes. I think in the first interview he talks about bending the sheet metal over his knee and leg for the tanks. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which nobody will ever hear, no, but, nope. um, but we know it happened. Uh, what we should do is find his, I wish I could and see yep. what those are. I think, uh, I think that, that, that'd be cool. I'll, I'll look for the original mm-hmm. audio file. Cause I do. I that'd be the that. only thing you could hear. I should have that. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. But without Super. further ado, Taylor. Enjoy. interested in this first part that you're about to ask so let's start with who you are and what you do oh who i am and what i do uh i'm taylor stierna now i don't know if you know that but i do know that i'm now officially 
a social security card holding Stirna person. So more official than Facebook update? Mm, exactly, yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's legit. Reco- like, recognized. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you DTR'd. Yep. Um, and uh, I, I guess I'm now 10 years self-employed motorcycle assembler no <laughs> builder you're a motorcycle <laughs> no, builder de- my, my mom calls it decorator oh no. she says i'm a motorcycle decorator and uh, that would make you the only one i've ever heard of yeah. like that would make you unique to your field and yeah. also no offense to your mom does not accurately describe what occurs but sure yeah it's uh <laughs> she's, she's gone to shows moto yeah. shows and it's a little bit right walked around <laughs> when people are looking at my bikes and been like my son decorated this <laughs> oh, she's literally God. done that a great where'd you go to school for that (laughs) yeah like literally all i can think of is like royal icing on like a metal frame or something like we're just like dingly bells well there is pie involved right yeah Yeah. lots of pie cutting so so (laughs) what i do want to like start with is uh nobody knows that you're the lost episode interesting yeah Yeah. so like i mean that one's not even it literally doesn't exist so like that was i mean i've got it on a hard drive right but yeah. We interviewed Alan Newberry and the audio was abysmal and we turned around and interviewed you thinking we had figured it out and the <laughs> audio ends up and it's like a two and a half hour, three hour conversation. It gets into like parenting and oh my gosh. Yeah. That's like how it ended. crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's funny and it's good. <laughs> Sorry. And it's funny and it's good, but like. You can't hear. I don't remember who you don't pick up. I think it's you. I think it is me. And uh, huh. so, like, we never released this episode because yep. it's just it's you're missing so much <laughs> of the conversation. It doesn't work, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, which is sad because there's really funny stuff about like the motorcycle IV and Ooh, yeah. yeah, like yeah, like it really was a good interview. Yeah, it was fun. Just didn't work, and so mm-hmm. and then you moved away. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't go yep. back with Alan. We were able to go back and like. Hey, let's do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the I don't know if you even remember the conversation at all or anything, Man, but the show know. has like very much evolved since that period of time and changed I mean, quite I a can bit. Imagine yeah. what was that like th- at least three years three ago. Three years ago ish. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. like yeah, when we started, it, yeah. our idea was like teach me how to do the thing you do, right? So it became mm-hmm. this very like so then what's the next step? Oh, you turn that bolt to the right. And what wiring harness do you use? And uh, like shocking that we even had listeners. And, <laughs> and yep, so now all like three it's, of them. little niche. It's yeah. a very different show. And it's funny to have you like as almost person number one and then 75 plus guests later or something, somewhere in that range, like now you're back. But you finally moved back and I was I was able yep. to sweet talk. Uh, you didn't mention I should probably put my phone on silent. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and you're one of the few veterans we have. So I don't yeah. know. Like, apparently you don't do a lot of radio interviews, I guess. Is that a... I'm a like, little quiet. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be in the background. It's fine. Um, so guys, I, wait a couple months. We could have been doing this in my new shop. I spin it around in the seat again. just like I know. Bikes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Surrounded by bikes. Well, instead you're at my house and yeah, sitting around the table. Very nice. I mean, it's, there can be a one point five version we'll do like a dlc well yeah we we do (laughs) have we do have patreon so like a lot of times if the conversation goes like way too Mm -hmm. long we'll like much over an hour we'll cut some of it out and just put that on patreon or or whatever but um i had something i was gonna say oh i still want to do uh at some point i want to write the article 
Aaron can take the photos and we submit to um, Iron and Air because mm-hmm. I think you'd be a great write up for Iron and Air. Is that where you got that shirt? Yes. Yeah. They give it to you when you subscribe to the Four Issues a Year magazine. Wow. I think Keith got to. He has an article in there, yeah. Is that what it was? Okay. Yep. Yeah, I remember something relating to him being in that. that was yeah, awesome. it's one about like after his dad died, I guess he like r- like rode his bike on some journey to take the ashes somewhere. Um, I didn't actually read the article, obviously, uh, or not all of it, or I don't remember all of it if I did, but yeah, he, he's got something in there. And I think they're based out of Utah. So he may even know the people I maybe it feels like they are, they may not be, but he's doing some photos for them for a while too. Gotcha. They're definitely goals. That would be awesome. So it's, that's a great magazine. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's, They've got the culture and the lifestyle stuff down. Yeah, it's the so it's well. the motor mic motorcycle magazine that I always wanted to exist because it's not mm-hmm. just baggers, just vintage, just crotch rockets. Like it's yeah, it's any not and everything on I two mean, wheels. Do, I see. I mean, I, f- I only follow them on Instagram. I think that's my main feed from them. But um, I see like lots of cool rally cars and stuff too. That mm-hmm. They fall. They will feature like. Porsches and yeah, I don't think that makes them. There's a bunch of issues on the coffee table actually, so you can just take some and like read through yeah, if you want I've to. But um, the the issues tend to focus more solely on motorcycles. I think I've seen cars pop up here and there, maybe. But it, it and it and it really like it's not like here's a review of this right. Like there's also just here's a story of me riding with my dad's ashes across the country, which is mm-hmm. really cool because yeah. when I think of um, oh man, what's the motorcycle world? Or what's the the other big ones? Yeah, there's uh, Pipe Burn, Bike XF. There's, I think it's Motorcycle World. Is that not the for what? Well, Peter Egan was like a main like editorial contributor for them for years and years and years, and like Jonathan was super into him. Um, Motorcycle World is that not the name of it? That doesn't ring a bell. But also, I'm not as in the loop as I should be with a lot of this stuff. But it was one of those magazines where, like, the vast majority of it is, like, here's a Q&A on this thing doesn't work on my bike. And, like, what's your suggestion on fixing it? And then here's a review of three different adventurers or whatever kind of thing, right? Like, just a classic, like, late 90s, early 2000s yeah, magazine, yeah. right? But what I loved the most was Peter Egan's, like... I, the time I rode my CB125 across the country and it mm. broke that, right? Like he just has mm. these like great, like, like what stories. are the top five? Or if you're a motorcycle enthusiast, what is the correct number of motorcycles to have? And he's like five and lists out like which types of motorcycles you should have in your garage. Um, and then it's always this anecdotal story about why and whatever. But mm-hmm. Iron and Air is more that, right? And this now just became a five-minute pitch for Iron and Air. That's so. okay. Iron and Air, yeah. We're getting back around to it, though. Yeah. <laughs> so Bike decorator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what got you into bike decorating? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I think... I'm putting this as the title of the show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Taylor, we have Jay Ladoss, cake decorator. <laughs> Cookie decorator. Cookie. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, uh, I think it started when I was about 14. My dad opened a small electric scooter shop and in South Fayetteville and I kind of was the uh, mechanic of it. Of course they were electric scooters, but I remember him getting a couple of gas ones in and they didn't work right. So I kind of just fumbled through fixing it and it was so satisfying and 
I, f I felt so good when I, I got it running and then I was able to sell it and I actually made some money and it was more than I was making at Flying Burrito. <laughs> and uh, so I did that some more and then I think I got a scooter, my own scooter, and then very quickly just really wanted a motorcycle by 18, I think I got <clears throat> my first motorcycle finally convinced them that the, the passion wasn't going away. <laughs> and, uh, very shortly after that, I got my first non-running motorcycle and stumbled through making that thing work and decorated a little bit, you know, uh, and sold that, made a couple bucks. And then I would say most of my way through college was just on the side. I was just buying bikes on Craigslist, fixing them. They're usually wrecked or whatever and uh, get them going again and make a couple of dollars selling them. So I guess I was a mechanic more than anything through most of my college career. And then when I graduated college, I had just amassed a lot of tricks and, and tools through that four years of doing that and at that point I had been, that had been my main income for half of college for the last two years of college. And, and then I was thinking, do I want to go into being a master's of psychology or do I want to try to develop a brand around what I'm having a lot of fun doing? And at that point I was already getting into customizing them too. Um, and so I just figured I'm still young, might as well just give it a shot. And, uh, that was, I guess I was 20, two or 23 at that point i just turned 30 so maybe seven years ago that i committed to that hmm. and uh it's been a lot of fun ever since because there was kind of a group of people that were um i don't know how we like hobbyist motorcycle decorators right like oh, yeah. like just yeah. you know and <clears throat> I don't I think everybody's probably built their their own bikes and and there's been flipping and whatever right but you were the only one that I know of that was like well I think I could make this a business that out of out of that group what yeah. like what what drew it past hobby to because I'm thinking of like Jeff mm -hmm. and Jonathan, Jonathan and right like Corey, um, Corey Will yeah. Uh, like all of those guys have made some money buying and flipping motorcycles and all yeah. of them have built bikes, you know, like I, I will say at this point, not as extensively as you've built them. Um, yeah, you rocketed ahead. <laughs> There's a little story here. I don't know if I even want to share it. Uh, where one time, I don't remember how I phrased it, but I told Taylor that he was just like a part, like what you just assembler, assembler or something. I, whatever not. a bike decorator would actually yeah. be probably the correct <laughs> definition at that point right like oh. um but i think like because that is to some extent where everybody starts right like and there is a lot of that yes. yeah you know like i want different handlebars unbolt bolt on new ones right like uh change the carburetor whatever the thing might be like but i wouldn't consider that a bike builder necessarily right like yeah. um because there's also that fine line between mechanic and builder, like, mm -hmm. right. Like in, and in my head, a builder was somebody who really had like a vision of an end product and takes kind of nothing and gets to that 
point, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you can slap on a different seat, but I don't know if, like, right? Like, man, there's it's, it's so complex. Yeah, like, there's, is cutting a fender shorter <laughs> and putting a different tail light on make you a bike builder? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just that, like, but they're all incremental steps to getting there. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, you're doing like. I make my own tanks from scratch. I'm like, you didn't have to go that far. Like you are proving me wrong, but now you're like way over the line. I'm proving me wrong. Like, yeah. I mean, you and you literally do everything now, like custom exhaust, you sew your own seats, you make your own tanks, you write like, I mean, there's very little that goes untouched on a one up. Are we still one up? Yep. Yep. I guess that should have been mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, maybe he changed his, he yeah. changed his last name and changed the company. Right. Name. Yeah. Like, yeah. My owner. t-shirt no longer is valid. I'm no longer making, I, I don't know if I ever so. got a t-shirt. Oh, that would be a shame. I know. Yeah. I, I can make, I got shirts for sure. Yeah. yeah. Owner at one. Just give me the garage. Vexterize file. I have a, I have a vinyl cutter. I can make my own if I have to. <laughs> there <you go>. There's <laughs> somehow pirated one up moto. Oh, like, oh, bootleg. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> one up, but two peas. Like, Mm. <laughs> um yeah so okay so wait you asked a good question uh, a couple minutes ago that then, then i talked to you on it is something else <laughs> but it was a good question oh what about, got what got you past the like the bike decorator phase mm-hmm. right like into that is such an interesting thing I've, I've observed through this whole process because yeah you, you're talking about the friends that uh basically got me into this too. Like Jonathan, I fully credit for you just opening my mind to the customization ability of motorcycles. I, prior to that was just really into sport bikes and going fast and, you know, 19 year old stuff. And, uh, and I ran into him once at a near bikes blues time. And he, I just remember he was just riding this. I mean, in a nice way, ratted out CV 350. The seat pan was just metal. There was no cushion on it. And I mean, he had, yeah, club men's and he was just pushing it down a hill, trying to get it started. And I, and I <clears throat> tried to help him and he, I just loved his whole perspective on what motorcycles were. It just blew my mind. And then he very soon, yeah, I introduced me to Jeff, who was also really fun. And he was doing a lot of creative stuff at that time. You know, yeah. he, he took a gold wing and like, really radicalized it in a way that people weren't doing at that time. So he had the creative juices. Um, Jonathan was all about, he was like, I want to make it run. I want to make it stop. But then he never like cared to make it look good or be comfortable or anything beyond that. Aesthetic wasn't his thing. Not even a little bit. Um, Just wanted it to run okay. Maybe that was his aesthetic though. It was like, yeah, I don't care. Like it's industrial. I in the nicest way possible. I hope he loses. I've been on some great road. Well, a very amazing road trip with Jonathan. I think you've done one as well, but, uh, yeah. So like, I really love Jonathan with all my heart, like one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. Right. Like, so I'm not speaking disparagingly of him, but he definitely is the, like that classic, like old school maintenance man mentality or whatever of like, well, that works. Like that's yeah. good enough. Like, yeah, you, there you go. Right. And yeah. why would you paint it? <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's just, it is function in it. In, and I truly mean this in a complimentary way. It is an aesthetic of function. It does what it is meant to do. Mm-hmm. And that is it. Is that like, considered nope. leaving well enough alone? Really? I mean, I, like, I think so. Yeah. He would probably agree like with it. that sentiment. Hey, iron and air. I, uh, you should 
you should have me give you an article about when Jonathan and I drove to California on, <laughs> on so, a, like a 68 BMW airhead. I didn't know who you were. With 90,000 miles on it. I didn't <laughs> know who you were. threw a rod halfway back in Reno. Oh. And this turns around in a weird way, right? So Jonathan comes to me one day and he's talking about like taking this road trip across the country. And I was like, do it. And he's like, but I'm, you know, it's going to use a lot of my savings. I won't be able to work for X amount of time. I was like, but you're 20 something. I don't remember how old you can recoup that money. But the chances that you have that level of freedom to do that in the future becomes less and less. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he came over to my house. We had dinner. We talked about it like all evening. Yeah, were you, the, cause I do remember him. Were you going to go with him or were you just, no, I was the guy who was like, I would love to do this. And I'm at a point in my life where I can't like, you know, I, I have the money to do it, but I can't get that kind of time. Like that, the time is the thing that's gone, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, he decides to do this trip. Um, it obviously like throw a rod or whatever happened, like, um, in Utah, I believe, yeah. And so yeah. a couple years later, we're going to Speed Week, and we actually stayed for the entire week in the parking lot of the gas station that like he had broken down in, I guess, and like had to get picked up from. And better yet, we all go out there, like Stephen White, Corey, yeah. Adam, Jonathan. <clears throat> Jonathan doesn't come back. <laughs> he decides to live in Utah. Oh yeah, is that how that happened? <laughs> <And> never <laughs> came back with us. Moved there. Oh. He may have been tired of like paying for gas. I don't know because that thing was like eight miles a gallon <laughs> um, for the RV. But yeah, he like he, so I end up like like he broke down there a couple years later, a year later, ends up back there and decides to never. It was like, were you called to be in this place or whatever? But yeah, that's just who Jonathan is. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna do this thing. And and we talked about it when he decided to stay. And part of it was like. I mean, I don't know when I'll ever like be able to do like he kind of like threw it back of like, well, I don't know when I'm going to be able to just make this decision to stay somewhere again. So why not? Like, what does it hurt? You know, like, that's so awesome. um, Yeah. Yeah. He said he didn't really feel like there was much in favor for him necessarily to like move him forward. But, um, but yeah, that adventure, it was very last minute. He was just, I remember him. He was going to do it alone, maybe, or, or trying to find somebody to do it with. And I was like, well, I got a couple weeks of free time coming up. Well, uh, my whole life was free time at that point. So <laughs> it was easy to find it. Pre-day and uh, yeah, and I bought a like a Harley Sportster 1200 thinking at that point in my life, uh, Harley meant touring bike, not realizing the Sportsters are very much not the same thing as a wide glide. Um, and so I, I thought that was good. He took the BMW and man, yeah, we had a lot of interesting uh, experiences on that trip. And it was very educational and fun and I loved it. And, but now going back to that good question, yeah, we still never answered the question. Right? I, yeah, I really want to, cause it is such an interesting <laughs> thing you bring up with like, why, why was I not like Jonathan or anybody else that just like really liked it and enjoyed it for a little bit? Um, what was the difference there? And I, I, I don't know with some of these people, but I do remember like when I was first getting into it, a lot of my friends would see me do it and they would want to do it too. They thought it was a cool way to make money and looked like I was having a lot of fun. So they'd buy a motorcycle and I, and I was always enthusiastic about it and like wanted someone to do it with. So I was like, yeah, let me show you how to do this. And I would help them out and they might flip a bike and feel that same feeling then. But then it just, with none of my friends that I've ever seen try this, did it stick. And the only thing I can think of as being the main difference is that when they were doing it, 
I feel like they were always thinking about it from the perspective of like, I'm going to make money on this. And the money was always like uh, an end goal mm. with them. And and even maybe with Jonathan and, and all of our friends that were really into the customizing thing. Um, well, no, Jeff and the people that were into customizing, they do feel that same thing of the art form of it. But and then, I think for them, it's just for them, exactly. though, right? Like, yeah. They didn't have the drive or the desire to ever, like, make money for it. So, like, they still have their custom bikes they built or they just sold them and didn't really try to make yeah. money off it and, like, do it again. So, I guess it was, like, two different qualities that I happened to have where one was that <clears throat> I had the passion for it and the desire and wasn't really doing it for money, which I think is essential because it's not like a it's not like a money-making job particularly. It's just like any other job you thought, can, you make. I thought you were like a Jesse James and just like rolling and yeah, in I guess dollar, dollar bills. With everything, there's Orange County, like the rule. aren't those guys. TV um, show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the, it, it is a grind to be able to make a, a living doing it. <clears throat> but then at the same time, I also had this other side of me, which I credit my parents for because both my parents were self-employed. Um, I was raised in a, in a household where you just follow your dream kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. my mom was just a musician, traveling musician, never really made that much money at it, but she was just so happy doing it. And then my dad was a self-employed piano technician. And, uh, that was his dream job passion. He loves playing piano and tuning piano. So that's just what he did. And so, and because I was also homeschooled for a big chunk of my childhood, I think I was actually specifically homeschooled in that period when a lot of kids start to really uh, develop like the, the herd mentality of like wanting to be fitting in and, and get their peers approval and stuff. And so at that point in my development, my peers were adults, a lot of adults, and, um, and the adults were specifically people that also were self-employed. So I was just like, that was, that was almost all I knew. I didn't really have a lot of people in my life that had like day jobs and slave to the man, whatever, it's just hated their life kind of stuff. Almost a surprise you went to college, right? Like, <laughs> Well, and honestly, I had no desire to go to college or like drive or push to go to college. My dad actually was kind of negative on the idea. Um, he never went to college and he was like, you don't need to go to college. Look at me. I was successful. But my mom thought it would be cool because nobody in either of our families had ever gone to college before. And so she was like, you should try maybe. And she set me up with some scholarships and uh, it ended up being totally scholarship paid for. So I kind of was like, sure, I mean, I'll try it. And I ended up but, loving it. But to her, it was, it almost sounds like it was more the experience. Like you should have this experience, yeah, not like the end. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. Like, and that's exactly, you yeah. should backpack Europe and maybe try that college thing. Literally like <laughs> the college. I had a motorcycle to, there was like no pressure to graduate. There was no, I could have, I started off thinking like, Oh, I want to be a dentist. I'm going to be in biology. Uh, to be a dentist. And then after taking a shadow to dentist one day and watched him rip a tooth out of a guy and, and I was like, that's too much blood. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Trying to imagine you as a dentist. <laughs> right. Well, in a weird way, it could have made sense because one of my favorite things about motorcycles is the tediousness of like carburetors. I almost thought you were going to say the teeth. And I was like, <laughs> like literally the sprocket. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I really love sprockets, love man. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I like working with really small stuff and delicately trying not to break off like brass pieces and stuff. And so I don't know, I could see teeth being, or like dentistry being a, 
satisfying in that same way. Mm-hmm. You you are extremely detail oriented, which I want to get into later when we talk a little bit about style because that becomes a thing too. Because I I I had the privilege of watching a style develop, um, mm-hmm. and and kind of or I feel you may not agree with it, but my outside view was like watching a person learn to paint right or whatever but mm-hmm. like um the whole different piece right, of the yeah, conversation no, but a, yeah another thing to get into for sure um but with this just with what i was saying like uh with biology saw the dentist blood not good liked a psychology class and i was like i'm gonna just do psychology and then i did that i did get my degree but i'm not ever gonna use it probably um Arguably, I mean, Are maybe I use it, it every time. Yeah, exactly. I probably yeah. use it every time I sell a bike. Do you really want to only pay me fifteen thousand dollars? <laughs> it's like the force. Um, but uh, but yeah, so yeah, college was just an experience, which I guess I don't even think about how unique that is. That most people go to college with with a very like regimented end goal. Yeah, for most yeah. people, the experience is the side effect of the thing, right? It's oh, the yeah. so like now that may be like the driving force half the time, but ideally the end goal is the piece of paper at the end, right? Like, yeah. and then the experience mm-hmm. is like, you know, it's good to also have this and you flip that and it's like, okay, I'm going to have the experience. And then also, I guess I get this piece of paper at the end of that too. Like, right. right? Yeah. Like, it's exactly. a di- way different approach. And and so as such, I really enjoyed college and I loved every class I took in psychology and, and I do, it does like come back up all the time. I I'm thankful for the stuff that I learned in college, but, uh, really just motorcycles always satisfied me and, um, working on them, it, just like everything about customizing them satisfies me. And so at that point, I guess the business side of it came from, like I was saying, seeing that modeled for me representation is so important everybody just remember mm-hmm. that i would i had these parents representing doing their own thing for me and i really think that when i think of my friends um and them trying out this thing i think what stopped them maybe was that as i watched them get go through college and then get their degrees and then get normal jobs and and live those lives just totally awesome life not not judging it or anything in that way but it is different than my path. And I think the difference is that like they never had that modeled. So they didn't really see that as a viable option. Mm. You know, like their dads lived, had normal steady jobs and, and that's needed to have a family and a, and a wife that's secure and, and all of that. And that's just a totally different lifestyle that I never had. I was like living in the back of a van, homeschooled, like we didn't have anything really. It was just so non-normal, non-normal, normative what I was doing. And so, yeah, I just thought, well, I mean, my mom said I can do anything when I grow up. I want to be a motorcycle builder. <laughs> and so I just did that. And and I also always had the feeling of like, I can also stop this tomorrow. There was never mm. a pressure to like, well, if I commit to this, then I better do it perfectly. And like, that's going to be me for like the rest of my life. controlling you then. Yeah, exactly. And as soon as that happens, it's not fun. And when it's not fun, I'm not going to do it. That's what I was going to say is you have such a unique path as you talk through this, like no pressure, no expectation. And most people, I think the drive comes from pressure and or expectation, right? So the fact that you have drive void of those things. It's almost a paradox. Is unusual, right? Like, um, you know, if, if, if they weren't turning some kind of money within the first year or two, 
it's not hidden the expectation of like, oh, I can make a living at this, right? And so mm-hmm. um, they have to start looking for something else because the pressure is, to your point, most of the time, I have to hit a certain kind of lifestyle or I need to, you know, like have a certain level of income to to be secure and like that the pressure or expectation of security and your definition mm-hmm. of security was different. And then also mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see people, and I'm not speaking for everybody, but um, I am unhappy doing the thing I thought would fulfill the expectation, right? Mm-hmm. And and so now I'm going to pursue happiness as the alternate thing to do. Like I'm going to go start a bar or I'm going to build motorcycles or I'm going to, because I thought this would make me happy, but it doesn't. So now I'm going to just gamble. But you didn't come to it from either of those positions. It was just mm-hmm. like, maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like the story is like, I don't know, this was, I was having fun doing this and I didn't need anything else, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like this is a good time to acknowledge that <clears throat> another huge piece of this puzzle for me was just b- having a lot of privilege in my life. Like I've, I've just been so privileged that I've even had any of the opportunities to even entertain this path, you know, like I was privileged to, I never, you know, I didn't, have a kid at a young age. Sometimes I think about that, like with some of our friends that we're talking about and they love their lives. It's, it's, it's awesome that that's their path. But like, like Jeff, maybe he would have been a motorcycle builder. If he, I mean, or Sam, you know, mm-hmm. he had a kid in his late teens and now he's got like four kids. He doesn't have time. He can't build bikes. He mm-hmm. might want to. Um, and so I was just privileged to have just accidentally really navigated my life in a way that allowed me to get to these places. It's actually a grayish day. It is grayish, yeah. I'm feeling kind of sluggish due to the oh. daylight savings. What do you think about keeping this and never going back to whatever the opposite of daylight savings time is? I'd be down. I mean, let me know when it's like 8 o'clock and still light out. I think I'm good with that. Yeah. Like, I would be okay yeah. if we just keep the time mm-hmm. this and not change times. Right. Same. If you can hear laughter, my daughter has a friend over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we asked for quiet long enough to like do the show, and we went well mm-hmm. past that time. They so did we got really lucky, well so for kids. Yeah. I don't know how much the sound will carry. No, but, not at all. Um, I'm excited about like it not being dark at seven. Oh my gosh! I was trying to explain to someone the other day that like by the time I get home from work, which it's like a 40 minute drive, it's dark, and that sucks. Yeah. You know, and if you have to work late, it's darker. So. Well, it's rarely dark by the time I get home from work. But, um, <laughs> Explain that, Daniel. Well, I have to walk like 10, I, 15 feet. <laughs> it's probably more than that to get out of the office into like another room other than the dining room. But yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Yeah. To make it from here to the bedroom, I mean, I've got to go at least 30 25 feet, yeah. feet, 30 mm-hmm. feet. Yeah. Yeah. And there's corners to go around. Yeah. And yeah. a table. Yeah. I rode my uh, mini bike for the first time in a while yesterday just because the weather, nice. you know. So that'll be things. I took the motorcycle out for a spin um, last week. And, cool. And yeah, it was yeah. nice to just kind of get back out. With, with the light and the weather permitting that. It'll be awesome. So, cool. Um, I helped somebody make a, a um, 
Pinewood Derby car the other day, oh. like last minute, like, oh, hey, we have to have this by Friday. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would just like to say, um, this adds to my credentials as a woodworker. Mm -hmm. That car just won first place in their den. Ooh, out yeah. of, that's cool. It doesn't matter how many. It, no, it no, doesn't. It, it doesn't. wasn't last. Especially if they're doing a Zoom race. Uh. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. No, um, that's cool. All right, so I'm like, I'm a Pinewood Derby champion-ish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I built one and got second in the state, not in Boy Scouts, but Were I came out of the loser's Alaska? bracket. Nope, and here in Arkansas, <laughs> as an adult. I is there a pine, there's an adult Pinewood Derby well, League? It, it was for a, an organization I was once a part of, and so it was a, a weekend thing. With Pinewood Derby League. You could, yes. I represented. We should start mm -hmm. an adult Pinewood Derby League. That sounds dirty, but yes, I think it'd be fun on occasion. That way, we can all blame our tools for the lack of a car that goes. Very Somebody well. told me the other day the great. They were like, "Golf is the greatest game ever invented." And I was like, "I don't care for golf that much." No. He was like, "Yeah, there's just an excuse for everything." No. <laughs> and I was like, "That oh is not God. where I thought you were going." He was like, "I was playing with a guy the other day, that like on like." A way towards the end of the game hole, like just totally <laughs> did not mm -hmm. make the shot they were going for, right? Yeah, or whatever yeah. you call it, swing. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, he sliced. Um, <laughs> and it was like, my shirt's too tight. It was like on the 16th hole that became the oh problem. My gosh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's something about the sun. You know, yeah. that, I've never thought of golf that way. I'd rather just go to the driving range, but like it, it was pretty funny because wow. that was not where I was expecting no. that conversation to go. But, Same. um, all right, so let's give it back over to, to Mr. Taylor. There you go. from I mean not wealth but enough support from my parents to where like I didn't have to you know a lot of people they have to be the ones taking working full-time in high school so that they can help their parents out mm -hmm. I was privileged enough to not have any of those financial pressures put on me like I was just so set up for that and like my parents were so supportive in my whole development if I was just interested in something they like would do whatever was within their abilities to support that thing. Like they were never uh, against anything I had, whether it was Pokemon cards or Legos or skateboarding, like they would always want to help me like foster these passions. They were so like passionate oriented my whole life. And so all that stuff is really what just kind of contributed to the uh, giving me this permission to be able to feel like I could do what I want. It's attitude based too, though, right? Because very few stories contain living out of the back of the van, being homeschooled. Yeah, and and, and then totally. also like, but all the privilege I had living out of this van and being homeschooled, <laughs> right? Like, like that's not the normal narrative. <laughs> no. yeah. So I think attitude plays into that because yeah. most people like to tell the story of, well, you know, I was living in the back of a van and I overcame that, and then I overcame this, and, and you're like that. flipping that story, you're like, interesting, yeah, it allowed me all this freedom, like from that position, <laughs> then I could do this because a van was enough. 
right? Like, wow. I, like I was satisfied enough with this thing. Well, I'm not right. saying you spent your whole, you were not living in a van when I met you, but like, yeah, yeah, but, exactly. um, that's true. you know, not, not a lot of people say I learned early on that this wood burning stove and, uh, you know, like when I, when I became a parent, I lived in a one bedroom, basically log cabin, right? Like, um, and a lot of times I'll kind of tell myself the story of like overcoming this thing, but like, it was also the like weird little house behind my grandparents' house where I lived for free. And that allowed a lot of things. Like there was a lot of privilege right. there, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but it's how you want to tell the story and what you think is more totally yeah. right. Like, um, so the optimism I think probably plays yeah. a lot into your story as well that you, you are, you're not battling something, you're enjoying the fruits of something, mm-hmm. right? And that becomes mm-hmm. a different thing. Wow. I hadn't thought of it like that. That is interesting. And then it, that also well, it might not be think, true. I'm just talking. No, that's, <laughs> I think it is. And and I think to flip it on its head yet again, when I think of... You really did have to overcome a lot of stuff and slay a lot of demons <laughs> and giants. Like, no, actually, I was really underprivileged and needed... Tear, tear it up again. Like, so if I think about what the traditional perception of privilege is, so if we think about all the people that, yeah, usually we tie privilege to money for some reason. So if we think about that kind of perspective on privilege, I, I'm the opposite where like, I don't think of that as privileged with the people that I know that I've seen that had, uh, I'm going to call it too much wealth. It's a burden. They, I don't envy that. I don't think it was a privilege to them. I think it was a hindrance. Um, and I think that it, it really, it squelches their drive and their motive because the only thing I can think of is like, if you already have that level of what you deem as success, because if you're raised in that household, you're generally going to think money is success. Then, then it, then what are you really doing stuff for? And, um, if, if money is the end goal and then you get the money or you just have the money or you inherit the money, then I think that's why, we are confused when people, when rich and famous people kill themselves or are really depressed on the inside, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it is. It's like, where are they going to go at that point? And, um, and so for me with my childhood on the spectrum of, of privilege, yeah, I was raised in America and my parents were not, we were definitely in like poverty, but we weren't like, but even poverty in the U.S. is like exactly. global one exactly. percent, right? Like still on the grand scheme, hugely privileged. Yeah. Um. But thankfully, neither of my parents think of money as like the goal, so I never yeah. developed yeah. that. Yeah. I always just thought of like doing what you enjoy doing as the goal. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that's what I did. Um. And to be fair, that in and of itself is a privilege is maybe the greatest privilege. Cause not a lot of people get to do what they love. Mm-hmm. Like a, maybe just not have the confidence or the assuredness to do it. But B, I do think a lot of times like that is a privilege in and of itself. When people say like, well just, you know, make sure whatever you do that you love it. And it's like, this might be one of the few countries in the world where you can even say that's an option because like, right. yeah, I don't know if gathering rice is really what like most people love and a huge chunk of the world population farms rice, right? Like, right. or, or a logger. My dad was a maintenance man. Like, did he love things about that and like, and learn a lot from that and like, mm-hmm. and have job satisfaction? I'm sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Did he love it? I know it wasn't his dream job, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, 
but it was the thing that he, he, I think most people, there's the thing you have to do to survive, right? And then if you are afforded the opportunity, then also pursue things you love. Like that's almost just lucky icing on the cake, right? And yeah, um, we've, I mean, anybody who's probably listening to this because you have the technology to be able to do so, uh, and me and everybody in this room, we have, I mean, we don't have to walk an hour barefoot to get clean water. So mm-hmm. we're privileged. Like, right. Yeah. And it, and it's important also, it's like privilege and then, but it's intersectional privilege. It's not just privilege as a blanket term because, and this is, this is why I think a lot of people get confused and like, if they're, uh, a, a considered, I'm using air quotes, privileged person. Oh, I have a sound for that. Oh, good. Perfect. So <laughs> it has yet to catch on. Yeah. I'm really trying to make it though. I would like we to have the privilege that. of having a catch sound. That's a privilege, right? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, cool, cool. Denied. Um, so many people get, I feel like, triggered by the term privilege because they think they, because everybody has struggles and like nobody has like the perfect life. And so you think, I'm not privileged. Like I've got all these hardships and like what you're saying, like that perspective of like, I've overcome this and you know, my dad was mean to me and, and all these things that, that aren't privileged about me. And that's totally all valid and legit. I, I had my own hardships too. And I had things that I was privileged in and more privileged than maybe a millionaire. And then I have things that a millionaire had way more privilege over me. And that's where the intersectionality of it's so important to appreciate and understand. And so like when I look and compare other motorcycle builders. There's so many of them out there right now. It is popular. Um, And there's a lot that are my peers. They're like, there's one that uh, specifically, I've I've met at a couple shows now. He's younger than me. And he does work that's so much cooler than you're one of the old guys now i'm getting that's weird it is when i met you you had to have been one of the younger people at like Uh, absolutely yeah i mean yeah when i was 19 i was the the baby doing this and now i'm 30 and i'm the old guard and this guy was maybe like 24 or something and his work is just exquisite it was like the first bike he'd built and it's in this show next to my bike after the first bike he built that he showed you no but this is what's important you should see the other bikes if i learned anything this is where privilege comes into this so like at first i'm like struggling with this a little bit on the inside Mm because like this guy's super nice he's awesome we're talking i'm learning a lot from him and i'm like why is this guy younger than me and building this amazing bike as his like debut bike and he's like getting in the Haas museum with these things and like Oh, wow. It's just like, oh, yeah, like fully iron and air level stuff here. <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I was struggling with that a little bit. <clears throat> and then I I looked more into him and, and kind of got to know him a little bit better. And, and I was able to see that he just has a lot of different privileges than I have. And so like his dad is a expert uh, metal worker. And he has access to this fantastic metal fab shop and his mm-hmm. dad helps him with like making these uh, just exquisite aluminum pieces and stuff. And like, it, it's almost a father son thing, but he brands himself. He's as the himself. face so of, like, yeah, yeah. You, you think it, you're just like, well, you're 24 and you're making this stuff, but it's like, you've got all this stuff behind you that's helping you. And I have stuff that's helping me. And so like. Snodgrass. Just different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we all got our, mm-hmm. our, partnerships that are challenges yeah, yeah, and yep. like so then i'm like cool like he's doing his thing and he's getting he's getting to get to that point at that age because of his privileges and i love that and then like 
I, I get my own challenges in some ways where I, I don't have those assets, but those are what make my bikes have their own flavors and stuff yeah. that, yeah. that uh, I can appreciate in its own way. So, well, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Like that you can have too much budget and get lost in the, the availability. We talk about that a lot. Like mm-hmm. Jaws does well in some ways because they couldn't afford to have a working shark. The shark mm-hmm. never worked correctly or whatever they have to fill. Right. Like the, and the limitation of seeing it makes the movie more intense. And so, um, we had Tyler on not too long ago and we were talking about like Hollywood budgets to do stuff, right? Like you have all these people involved and, and sometimes the end thing isn't really what you were shooting for. And if you slim that down, it's like, okay, you just have a phone and you have one light. Like, what do you make? And sometimes true, like amazing, beautiful product comes out of that. And I don't Mm -hmm. know, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier is, is Taylor's style fully realized if you could have done anything you wanted at the very beginning because what were all right. the little weird twists and turns you took trying you know for a long time it was like a collection of gas tanks and finding which one kind of fit the yeah. aesthetic of the bike right yeah, well yeah. now it's building a gas tank mm-hmm. but you've had the experience of trying 20 tanks and and seeing how each one of those works and now you can blend two tank ideas or three or four and make the perfect tank. Mm-hmm. But would you have gotten there without the limitation of, I have to pick from the 10 tanks I have, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, yeah. there's a gain there yeah. or it could potentially be a gain there. And that's a great example of that happening actually with the tanks. Cause I'm sure that's exactly I was there. Yeah. Like which one, this one or this one, yeah, you know, oh, like, totally. that was and I'm pretty sure Taylor would only ask my opinion and be like, okay, whatever the opposite of Daniel just said, like we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Default. I, I will say one thing about privilege is that just because someone has a privilege and I, I'm agreeing with everything, like doesn't mean that it wasn't self built. Like, you know, like that guy's yeah. business, I'm sure he had an opportunity to build this company and it took years and years and years of work. You know, you can read comments on people's stuff. It's like, well, if I had that, I could do that too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, but would you, but would you, but <laughs> yeah. also like everything. And this is th- a thing we've experienced is like, just because it looks easy, doesn't mean it's easy. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's a comment like on some of Jimmy Duresta stuff where everyone's like, well, I wish I had all these tools. I could do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, it's not. And people are like, I think I could do that. looks well, easy. I was like, it's easy. Duresta until it isn't, you straight know? up says it too. I mean, the guy yeah. works 60, 80 mm-hmm. hours a week and then has a YouTube channel and does all this stuff. So yeah. he gets, free tools because of all this effort that he's putting Mm -hmm. in. Well, and who's to say what he started off with. And I think that's where like perspective, you've got a really good perspective and I appreciate that. Like, you know, looking at that kid and at first, you know, some people are like, well, you know, he's got all this money, Mm -hmm. but like looking at it for what it is and taking a step back and realizing like, I've, I've really had to rethink privilege over the past few years. You know, I get older and I realize it's like, well, I did have a privilege of being able to do this regardless of eating bologna sandwiches, you know, strictly because that's all I could afford. Mm-hmm. Not like a, Oh, it's just me, but like, you know, stuff is stuff mm-hmm. and you can replace it. But that's, that was my life then, you know, like Daniel's cabin living there. That was something he was afforded, you know, privileged to be able to come to the life he has today. And I think that mm-hmm. a lot of times we look at it as a stumbling block, you know, those hard times rather than learning experience, you know, mm-hmm. and your bikes that come out now versus when you first started, like what Daniel was saying is like, they may not have been the same had you not been afforded the privilege of like your parents way back in the day, like understanding that being self-employed and all that, like working hard and still not getting caught up. And I'm not saying you don't get caught up in it, but being 
like, well, you know, if this doesn't work, that's fine. I still like doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's an amazing, I, I've really like sat here and listened to all of it. And it's just like, dude, this is, it's, it's interesting. Cause I think the negative connotation to like privileges kind of, you think I don't have money, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It's, it's a different thing to think of and about. Yeah. And piggybacking off of that in relation to the guy I was talking about, um, I, do you have a corporate job now? Piggybacking off of that. I would. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking let a me, holistic approach here. Let me find the synergy of this conversation. Everything is motorcycle related. So the I'm synergy. Gonna, you know, those, those yeah. shocks I'm giving around. you a hard time. Um, <laughs> let me take a second. I'm trying to remember what I was going to say about. Piggybacking off of that kid's privilege in yeah. building. Um, cut this out so that it sounds like I didn't have a, a minute long brain fart. Right. Yeah, now. sure. <laughs> Even though I started this with, like, don't make me edit a lot. <laughs> well, it serves you right. Yeah. For interrupting yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I did. I'm the worst <laughs> interviewer in the world. Um, I don't remember. It was something to do with the not feeling, not being jealous of, of people or envious yeah. rather. Yeah. Well, had he been a, a jerk, it would have been a lot easier to write him off had he not been cool. You know what I mean? It was just like this rich kid, you know, because that, I think that's also a thing that we kind of put up. It's like, no, spoiled kid. Perspective matters a lot, right? Like if, if we always look at ourselves as, (laughs) um, lucky to be where we're at, regardless of circumstance, right? Your, your view, I think your enjoyment and what you do daily grows no matter what it is, right? Because you, no matter where you find yourself, you are lucky to be there. And that may sound extreme, right? But like just living and breathing means that you have option and opportunity ahead of you. So like just having two feet on the ground is already a And I'm not trying to say like, no matter how bad the circumstance, but I guess I am to some extent, right? Like, because like, I, yeah, I'm saying that like, and, and not that everybody is starting from an equal place because I, 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 oh, yeah. I don't think that's true. Right. Yeah. But, um, I know for me personally, I am happiest when I am just grateful for where I am, wherever that's been, whether it's the one room log cabin yeah. or, um, you know, like food on the table or mm-hmm. like where I'm at today. Like if, if I'm constantly like looking to the next thing, that's when I start to be like, sad or envious or mm. like you know like like um content no discontent <laughs> right because yeah. now i'm living for the mm. next thing mm-hmm. and like you never take like i've been talking about this a lot with some friends of just like just enjoying the moment i have in front of me right now you yeah. know like yeah. um and I, this sounds insane but the other day like i needed to clean the fridge and i just took the time to clean the i I had thawed some meat and it had like Ooh. not gone well oh, it need, and uh, it, it needed, needed to, to be clean. Right. <laughs> but I like required it wasn't a passion. I've spent so much of my life and I, I think I have an optimistic view, but I, I spend a lot of it looking forward to like the next thing I'm going to do, like, you know, this trip to this place or I'm going to write this thing, whatever the thing is, but I always have something I'm kind of like working towards. Right. And I've, the last few months have really been like, I'm just really like, living this day in trying to find like the most joy in this day. And so before I would have 
I would have struggled to stop to clean the fridge and it would have been an inconvenience and it would have been like, oh, this is getting in the way of this other thing I'm going to do. But if you're just in the day and you're just like, I need to do this thing and I'm just going to take this time doing it. And like, and then there was this like weird, huge sense of satisfaction. I'm like, okay, I got that done. Like, that was nice. Mm -hmm. You know, like, um, pat me on the back. I don't know. I think I've been thinking about viewpoint a lot and I find life is more enjoyable if I look at it as what I have and not what I lack. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that actually ties in exactly with what I was trying to remember with the guy. That's why I talk so long. (laughs) (laughs) To bring me back. back. (laughs) Yeah. He, uh, to stop me from having that envy and stuff, I, I, so the analogy I'm thinking of right now, this is totally off the cuff. I hope this makes sense, but I'm thinking of privilege almost. It's like, you know, the butterfly effect in that. That's a great movie. <laughs> no, not the second one. I really love that love movie. Not so even much. kidding. Can we yeah. just talk about him for a second? What's mine Kind of do. All right, dude. Um, the butterfly effect in that. The, the specifically the part of it where like you could you could kind of just always go one step back like there's not really a beginning of the effect like there's always something that caused the other thing to happen mm-hmm. and then that caused that and um and the complexity is so great that it, there's really no point in trying to find the beginning of it and yeah. in the same way the privilege if, if you if i look at this guy or i look on instagram and i see other builders and i'm comparing myself to them i'm falling into that trap of like trying to find the beginning of it and be like what did they have that i don't yeah and if i could just figure that out then i could be there and be that um but that's just it's endless there is no uh there's there's no sustenance to that because ultimately I only have what I have and it doesn't, it's not even like comparable or, or relevant to what anybody else has had because their experiences are so different and their, their yeah. life is so different. All of their complexities and, and uh, privileges and, and not non-privileges that it's kind of irrelevant to even compare yourself to anybody else. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and then going kind of more back to what you're talking about with the motorcycle tanks and stuff. I've always looked at, the way that I build bikes and taken pride in the, the holistic approach that I take and the fact that I don't, <clears throat> I don't like have somebody that upholsters the seats. And then I have another guy that paints the tanks. Then I have another guy that welds for me and like, and I just kind of like oversee it. I feel like that's like the most common way that successful builders build. Um, and the way that I do it is, is kind of more, I get, I think most like I'll call them backyard builders would relate more to the way that I do stuff. But then at the same time, nowadays it's become a lot more popular to just like buy the parts because now there is stuff to buy for anything. You can buy a custom cafe looking seat for like 50 bucks on eBay and it looks pretty good and you can fit it on almost any bike. And I feel like that has become a lot more normal for the backyard community. Um, and then when you get up to the professionals, they're not really building their own bikes. They've like hired people to do all these things perfectly so that they have this awesome, perfect bike in the end. And I kind of straddle that where I, I, I like to make my own seat from scratch and I'm not a professional seamstress uh, that does that 
and can do anything. I have a lot of limitations. I can only do like a couple of different things with my seeds right. at this point. And every time I try to stretch out a little bit and do something weird and different, and I end up upholstering the seat four times for one motorcycle because the first three weren't <laughs> that's what I not wanted. cost effective. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly why most people <laughs> wouldn't want to do this because business wise, yeah, I have way too many hours in each motorcycle. You're paying for your own education <laughs> as you're trying to build <laughs> yeah. this business. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, uh, but the end result, I can say like when I'm showing the bikes at the shows and people are like, Whoa, who did your seat? I'm like, I did my seat. And I'm like, Whoa, who made that tank? I made it. And I can just like kind of take credit for everything uh-huh. except for Eric Snodgrass. I was going to say makes, does awesome hand painting. Cause yeah. that's the one collaboration you really have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I that just, is a marriage made in heaven. Oh, like yeah. yeah, it just works. Yeah. I, uh, I don't want, there's like. That's like the one thing I don't really have the desire to get to like the level of mastery where I could do it on my own bikes <laughs> and it would be that a level of quality where I could show it off at shows. I'd rather yeah. just have Eric Snodgrass yeah. do it because he does it really well mm-hmm. and he shares a good vision with me. So I, I have no problem giving, good. letting him sign the tanks <laughs> um, with his custom art. But I'm always quick to be like, but you know, I just shoot the base coat, shoot the clear coat on top, you know, buff it out, make it all look good. I do some of it. <laughs> I'm trying I to help. learn something. I help. I'm yeah. a good micromanager. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tower over his shoulder. Um, Man, I really wanted to talk about style and evolution of style with you, but we're also getting really close to time. And An hour? You yeah. can just cut out that whole thing about privilege that it's just a bunch of yeah, well, that's BS what I love about how the show, because we were talking <laughs> oh, yeah. about that at the very beginning, like right? the show yeah, has anywhere. changed. Um, and so, you know, like I know I'm getting a bike builder, but no idea what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And maybe the value maybe is we get to talk about something from the perspective, like we keep tying it back to motorcycles, right? Mm-hmm. Or like mm-hmm. it really, I, I think... I like where the show's gone, where like yep. it just becomes it is just like what's on your mind or with what creators. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, we're just having a conversation. Now we're just talking about ourselves. So actually, the show's taking going backwards. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so when did you first know you wanted to be on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's review the podcast we've done for three years. Um, One being strongly disagree. Yeah. Being- so Aaron likes to finish every episode with he'll start a sentence and you finish it with whatever comes to mind. Oh, no. Yeah. And the thing is, you've done this before, and I have that audio file, so I'm going to go back and see if it's the same answer Ooh. or not. Is yeah. it always the same? Qu- yeah. First mm-hmm. part of the sentence? Mm-hmm. So what if I've listened to your podcast? You haven't. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually an indicator. You haven't had the privilege to oh, listen busted. yet. Uh, taking the privilege. I did scroll into. through all of them today thinking I need to listen to one of these. Do and I was surprised. Yeah. I recognized like yeah. a lot of the people yeah. that yeah. we had on here. It's, I, I think one thing that like where we have a privilege is Northwest Arkansas is unusually uh, right. supportive <laughs> with supportive of people being creative and doing their own thing. I think Mm -hmm. the amount of like money that people are willing to like Mm -hmm. spend on stuff. Um, and then also like, it's just a hotbed of talent and it, and it Mm -hmm. always has been, I think. Um, but there's been this like seemingly growing focus or I just became more aware of it as we did the show, but people are constantly surprised by like, well, how are you getting these interviews or where are you getting them? And it's like, it's people that we know, or we like, are a friend of a friend and that I think also helps a privilege that we, we talk about a lot is 
we live in a community where this mentality of I, I I'm gonna go make a thing and somebody's gonna buy it is not unreasonable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think it's like this everywhere. So I mean, interesting. Just... Yeah, I guess I've really only been here, so I only mm-hmm. know this culture here. Yeah, and I'm sure now there's probably somebody in Deeply. you know. Austin, wherever <laughs> Pittsburgh, Kansas or something. It's like, oh well, we have yeah. the same community and, and, and actually yeah, there's a yeah. show that is almost the same show that happens outside of Houston, a to Z podcast. Mm-hmm. And we, we, they found us, I guess. I don't, I don't remember how that worked. It's two guys who played in a band together who are like lifelong friends who interview people who do like cool, like creative or mm-hmm. business stuff in like the Houston area. Huh. And, um, yeah, it was just funny because it's like, uh, I think I've heard of that show, but it stars us. And, and, <laughs> That's weird. Uh, and, isn't and one day we'll eventually do the show yeah. together. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think creative people exist everywhere. That I think mm-hmm. is for sure. I think the ability to make a living at it is oftentimes geographically constrained. Sometimes I think there are definitely places where you'd have a hard time with the support piece of it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like the well, we, financial support piece. We've of definitely it. interviewed hobbyists too that were really good at their craft. Oh, you know, 100%. it's not just necessarily what they're doing for a living, but I think mm. that's the great thing about it too, is sort of the underlying talent. Mm-hmm. And yeah. People you you get blown away. Well, by. and the idea was from the very beginning, like everybody's creative. You just either don't see it in yourself, and or you are hesitant to express it, right? Like, yeah. but yeah. everybody. Um, I was, I was having that conversation with somebody not that long ago of like, uh, they were commenting on me really liking to talk to people. I've never met a stranger or something. It's like, but I think everybody has like an interesting story. They just don't always, we don't always see it in other people and, or a person doesn't always think of themselves as being interesting. Right. Because it's just the life I've lived, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but once you, cause even people coming on the show, it's like, I don't know, like, I'm not good at talking. I'm not I'm like, mm. well, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about the thing you love to do. Yeah. And I guarantee you can talk about that. I've yeah. never met a person who mm-hmm. can't. It's like, usually the ones that just take off and you just, yeah. 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 Just listen. Yeah. want to talk about it mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah everybody can talk cool. about what they love. Yeah. Um, all right, Aaron. Okay. All right. It. I wish I could. That's it, eh? I wish. That was Canadian of you. <laughs> Is that my first A? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Delete that. Say it again. No, I can I say that because I'm also Canadian. So <laughs> <Yeah>. I. <laughs> I wish I could. I like how Taylor tried to buy time for himself, but. Like, <laughs> ah. Man. There's also a weird buzzer gong sound if you get the answer wrong. So. No, yeah, you forgot to say there are no wrong answers. It's privilege when you wish for nothing. Right. That's, no, what I, that's what I'm struggling with. Like, I want for none. Man. You can edit out. I remember saying this last time. You can edit out the gap, right? The awkward <laughs> silence nope. before I say it. <laughs> but I won't. I think we should play both. So that part will be the same. Yeah. I am, again, so I, I'm drawing a blank. There's... I. I'm not feeling, I'm feeling, this podcast has me so thankful right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so privileged. Wow, not everyone like, sucks up. That's what good. Thank I you. <laughs> wish for? I, I don't want to be trivial, but yeah. I, I wish I could. 
you know, I wish I could. Okay, say it again. Here we go. I wish I could. <laughs> Be working on bikes more right now. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. What's stopping Lately. you? I don't have a shop. I just moved back to Fayetteville. Uh, and do you have no, to have actually, a shop though? No, Sometimes funny. restriction is the mother of invention, right? Like, so I literally. That's a first patent that. Put that <laughs> on your shirt. My shop right now is I, I bought a thousand square foot house and the living room, which is probably like a 40% of the house, is my shop right now. Like I have legit, I have a fully built motorcycle in there that I'm just wiring. And so I was like, that's clean work. I can do that in the house. <laughs> I have my sewing machine. I have my motorcycle right in the middle of it and just like wires. And my wife is so good. <laughs> She's so supportive. <laughs> She's letting my living room be a motorcycle shop right now. I mean, it's that's, insane. that's a keeper. That's a keeper. Yeah, I'd yeah, say yeah. that's extremely privileged. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely, yeah. <laughs> Look What I Did is produced by Aaron Dotson and Daniel Quinn. Sound designed by Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Kelly. 